Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. Joining us now is the minor league guru, uh, Roger Roger Munter for McCovey Chronicles. Roger, this must be like your children have been forcibly removed uh, from from their beds by the BFG. It's it is it's a sad day, but uh, I think I maybe don't get quite as broken up as as some of the folks do. I'm emotionally devastated. <laughs> I usually think it's good for players when they get traded for teams <laughs> because they're going to get an opportunity. I mean, look how look look how great that trade's been for Adam Duvall. Yeah, it's going to toughen them up. <laughs> uh, so, so everybody's gone now in the farm system. The Giants have nothing. This is actually not factually <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, Giants I mean, have... the first time ever said anything that's not factually correct on this podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, in theory, they they have some guys because they need to fill teams, but uh, but other than that, nothing, right? They don't even have bats. They gave the bats away. Anyway, let's go through these transactions, shall we? The, this sure. is the one that hurts for me the most was Adalberto Mejia for. for or, see, I, maybe I, it shouldn't hurt me that much if I can't pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> for 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 Eduardo Nunez, our new our new roving middle infielder, outfielder, but basically third baseman. Um, to the Twins, um, and here we go. Mejia, I thought, was probably going to contribute uh, maybe late this year, but definitely midway through next year, and here's you to tell me where I was wrong. <laughs> Mejia is, I think, getting to the point where he is very close to helping a major league club, um, and I would not be surprised to see him in Minnesota this year. Um, you know, how long it's going to take him to kind of get over the the hump, the, the learning curve, whether that's this year or next year, I don't think he's that far from being useful. Um, I don't know if I'm helping you get over the trade at all by saying that. Um, so how, how is he going to be, Roger, would you project him to be? Like in terms that? of how good do you think Mejia would be this year or next year? Um, I mean, I don't think he's somebody who you could – I doubt the team would feel comfortable going to spring training and say, we'll pick one of these guys and maybe it's Mejia. I think he'd probably been more like, we'll get somebody else and then if there's an injury, bring him up and give him a trial. Right. He's a guy who's, you know, he's got decent stuff, but he's never been a stuff guy. But I think he's a, he's a field guy who's kind of add and subtract from this stuff. I, I tend to think of him... I, for a long time, I actually thought he was going to be a bullpen piece, but I think now we've seen improvements in him that he's probably going to be a back-end guy. You know, he's had an interesting career. He's always been a person who was rapidly promoted and whose scouting reports were way ahead of his production, ultimately, until really this year. Um, he had a good colleague year, but he's had a lot of weird years with various problems. Um, but he's always been a guy that scouts loved. Um, and I guess at some point the, the scouting reports are likely to, you know, fall into place for him. He's going to be a, probably a solid back-end rotation guy, I think. I don't know when that's going to happen. Really, though, Roger, haven't we all had weird ears? <laughs> yeah, those were, those were the 20s. 
<laughs> Haven't we all accidentally been busted for 50 games for performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs? That's right. For a well, for, for a weight loss supplement. Weight loss supplement. Yeah. Well, well, he's a big guy, right? He's like six seven, and he's like two forty. He's he's a big dude. He's got a big yeah. big frame. So uh, we've talked about him before. If you've if you've heard Roger on the show before, we've I've we mentioned him every time. So he's definitely go back and listen and hear us fawning over him. Well, me fawning over him and Roger being like, "Pump the brakes, man." Uh, but <laughs> no, I essentially, too. <laughs> but I to me, I always you know. For me personally, I thought that the Giants are desperate for, you know, the Albert Suarez's of the world, someone who could just get outs. And uh, and because the PV Kane Samarja death spiral right now is, <laughs> is scary. So even if, you know, Mejia were to this year or next year come up and, and give you three or four, maybe five, quality innings those are actually technically better innings than they are getting now from from <laughs> from the majority of the rotation so to me that's that's what i, I like nunez uh, as a player i think i'm not a prospect tugger so uh, i don't know let's you know what let's all throw out a grade for this trade like like amateurs let's <laughs> let's let's uh, take a look do you do you even care to do that roger is this offending your taste uh no i can do that I don't know. I have no idea what grade I'll give it, but if you guys go, I'll think of one. Well, uh, go for it, Doug. I think I'd give it about a B. Um, at the time, it would have been sort of a B minus or C plus, but with the other deals they've made since then, it's sort of a lot clearer why they would do that. But it seems like they're moving someone who's going to be, you know, who has a good chance of being a major leaguer, though not necessarily an impact major leaguer, for someone who's already a pretty good player, but who's probably you know, at, at his peak and who the Giants have for a year and a half. And that's, yeah. that's not a bad move in my mind. Yeah, that's kind of the theme I feel for all of these, for the all the deals they've made is they, it's not a market inefficiency. They, they played to what really is valuable in the market, and that is control, team control. All the guys they've acquired in the past week are all people they have under control in, in some way or another, either a firm contract or arbitration rights. Um, and so that's tremendously valuable, especially if you're giving up people potentially with ceilings. I'll, I'll give this one a, a B plus because I, I think I liked on the surface that uh, although you know Nunez is going to be 30 years old next June, I still feel like, well, it gave them in the short term after getting him that you know, maybe they're going to move Joe Panic. Maybe they're going to move Matt Duffy to get you know a bigger name. And it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> but I mean, like it set them up in a good way. And I feel like if you're going to use a, a minor league uh, a prospect to to it, to it actually gives you flexibility both on the field and in another move. It's kind of rare where that happens. And he's talented enough that you actually got a like an actually talented player. Uh, like really talented and helpful player back, an all-star player for whatever that's worth to people. But you know, they got someone back in return who is good uh, and helps you right now and sets you up for the thing. So I'll say B plus. Uh, not an A because I, I selfishly wanted him to stay on the on the organization. <laughs> so, uh, and Roger, so we've we filibustered long enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, also give this a B, uh, and for almost exactly what. Doug said. I think one of the things, I, well, I agree with, uh, I totally agree that they're getting control and that's important. 
they're also like trying to accumulate people who are already good major leaguers for these next like two or three years when most of the core group on the major league team is in its peak. And that's valuable too, that they're not going to have to live through kind of the however many years that some of these guys take to develop. They're trading time essentially to get a core group now that's built up around the edges. Right, and they're not going to be hoping that a Kelby Tomlinson becomes a Matt Duffy or a Matt Duffy <clears throat> emerges from the ether, you know, to help them out and plug in a position. They're they're getting that not just cost and control certainty, but talent certainty, which is rare. Exactly. I will say, if I can just, just have an aside. Do whatever you want, man. <laughs> all, all, of, all of these three trades did at first you know, I would raise an eyebrow because I'm say, well, that's a lot for that. Um, but this was an inc- intense seller's market. Um, there were some real, real talent moving around the majors the last week. I think I saw four, I think five, actually, of BA's top 30 got moved. 11 of their top 100. There were a bunch of all-stars. This was an intense seller's market in which everybody who was a buyer had to kind of swallow and bite hard in what they picked up. You know, that's Texas, Cleveland, you name it. If they made a trade, they gave up something that hurt. Well, but the thing, and so then the only reason why for me, it's just like, this is not a slam dunk, I'm all for it, is just because on its surface, and even now that you've had, because this happened on Thursday, this trade, it still didn't present itself as an immediately helpful move. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. You know, Nunez is is a speed guy and he's plays multiple positions, which is fine, but you know, it's not Jay Bruce, although I wouldn't have been in favor of that, it's, but it's not Carlos Beltran who might've been, that might've been a fair deal, you know, Mejia for Beltran, although him playing the outfield, who knows? It probably is like getting Jay Bruce at this point. Yeah. So, uh, but you know what I mean? Like in that sense, it's like Nunez doesn't immediately strike me as being like, that's worth it. Cause you're right. It is a, it is a heavy cost. Although so in the end, Beltran went for the fourth pick in last year's draft. So, <laughs> so then that goes right back to your draft. point, right, yeah. So let's get to one of those other moves that was certainly uh, on paper, or if you traveled, if you sent this trade on paper back in time to, like, February, <laughs> people would be crashing their cars and, like, <laughs> fainting. And remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer tries to get out of the conversation with Flanders and his brain leaves his body? Like, a lot of that stuff would be happening. And that was um, the Giants acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers left-handed movie star Will Smith uh, for Andrew Susack and Phil Bickford. Um, that is, that's not just an eye raiser, that's an eyebrow <laughs> eraser. That, uh, that, that was a, a, a stunner because... I don't know where to begin with this. And, uh, Roger, I'm going to just jump on what your tweet was. It's like, that's a lot for that, for a reliever. The talent in return on paper on spec doesn't seem to necessarily fit. Um, We can get into Smith a little bit here, but tell us why Phil Bickford's stock seemingly has fallen to this point, which you could say it's a seller's market, but certainly it's a middle reliever. (laughs) Yeah, um... So where to, where to begin with this? I, I, my, I think my take on this was really they needed this and they paid a lot for it. Um, I, they, it was clear to them, I mean, they were in on the Chapman market and they were told, 
go away. You don't have what it takes to be in on the Chapman market, and you don't have what it takes to be in on the Miller market. And I think they really did feel that the left hand of the pitching staff needed improving, which I personally agree with. So, you know, they went to whatever the Will Smith market of that is. They went down to Walmart and they did what they could. Um, and they paid an interesting price for this. Uh, Andrew Suzak, I think, actually is going to be a good, pretty decent catcher for Milwaukee probably this year or next year. He's going to hit for power in that stadium, no doubt. And he's not a diff great defensive guy. And who knows if he'll ever stay healthy. But if he's on the field, he'll, he'll hit home runs for him. Bickford is a really curious guy. He misses tons of bats. And yet you get people who go and watch him and just say, you know, is that all there is? If people have been reading Minor Lines, they know that we have kind of a friend of the, friend of the Minor Lines from Augusta, a guy named David Lee, who writes for Baseball Prospectus and was also a beat writer for the Augusta Green Jackets for the last couple of years. Really nice guy, very good evaluator. He saw Bickford over and over and over this year, and every time he came off and said, I don't get it. I don't see why these people are swinging and missing because there's kind of nothing there. And uh, he sent out a series of tweets today that said, you know, he's convinced that public opinion of Bickford is way higher than industry opinion. I tend to think that that's half right, that basically Bickford is just a split camp guy that has people who see him and don't like him at all and other people who see him and are excited by him. But it is very unclear what he is going to turn into. I will say that. Could be a great reliever, could be a starter, but it's unclear. Well, I think that I I don't want to just burn through the trades real quick because this is something that I've been thinking about for most of the day. Really, though, it's been it's been there all along this whole time, and you mention it very simply, public perception versus industry perception of players. I mean, if you just... Uh, let's all be clear, guys, right? We don't know anything. No, nothing. Right? No, we don't absolutely. know anything. Very everyone everyone who's doing this knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything. Uh, and and this is... And it's not just Phil Bickford. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I, uh, I think, what, the Red Sox trade, uh, you know, Dombrowski trading the 19-year-old for, for Drew Pomerantz. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think people losing their minds and it's like, well, I can objectively not being anywhere near the system still say like, well, he's 19. When's he going to be ready? They need Drew Pomerantz today. Yeah. I can get that. Um, whether or not you think Drew Pomerantz is that guy, that's it's a different matter. But, you know, Phil Bickford, big stuff, but I think we, we should at least understand and I think we're all willing to give the Giants the benefit of the doubt, even the dumbest among us, <clears throat> me, that, uh, you know, if the Giants are willing to, like, walk away from a pitching prospect, that probably means there's nothing there. Um, because I really do feel, for all you're saying about the left-handed reliever, Will Smith, uh, it, he's got a knee injury. <laughs> like, his knee is bulky, and, uh, and for at least this year, he's got a curious... Reverse platoon reverse slip, and it's not like a little one; it's a huge one. It is a very curious one. So you're not getting Jeremy Affeld, even though again they're trying to replace Jeremy Affeld. Um, I think well, he, he, Susak, is, he is Affeld's doppelganger. You know, they, <laughs> they both came up as starters with Kansas City and weren't very good, and were shoved into the bullpen and were better. 
they both have weird injuries and a knee brace, and they both have kind of level splits in their career. Well, then I think we all know how dangerous it is to play with sequels. <laughs> Everyone tries to recapture the magic of the original, and that, that doesn't necessarily <laughs> pretend to good things. So I, I will say that um, platoon splits this year that what the according to fan graphs anyway what the like underlying number suggests is that he should have pretty regular splits so it has you know his his era is is much higher against uh or not his era but you know he gives up a lot more hits and stuff hits and homers and everything to to lefties so far this year but you know he also doesn't walk any of them he doesn't really give up homers to them um so the, so fan graphs has his fit but what at you know three thirteen against lefties this year five eleven against righties this year, which, you know maybe the Giants are seeing someone who's just getting unlucky, maybe they're just seeing someone who, I don't know but those numbers are not, the the, the numbers of what have happened are not necessarily as predictive, as you might think. Well, and as as Dave uh, after the trades tweeted out today too that. One war is a big deal for the Giants this year, and the two lefties in the pen they have are basically, what, like negative two war so far this year. So Josh Osage is actively trying to lose games. He doesn't so know it, but he is. Yes. Replacing those two with just a replacement <laughs> level guy is actually a decent improvement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, sad as it is to say. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Grant, or, you know Doug, to your point or question i i really think it does just boil down to standard the giants are thinking he's going to just regain some element of his 2015 form where he really was you know i think i saw something like he was not it's hard to be eraldus chapman but he was certainly in the in spitting distance of being a version of eraldus chapman that's not nothing yeah and yeah. they and that they have his control for several years too so yes the, the other those. yes and um the other thing to note about the trade in general is that that's just the price you pay. Um, like the, you know, the Fernando Rodney deal, and I don't think any of us want Fernando Rodney on, on the team, but what they got, what, what you know, the, the Marlins gave up for Fernando Rodney was Chris Paddock, who has been just utterly destroying A-ball. Um, and so, you know, we, we can talk about Bickford being too expensive, but Bickford is what it would cost, realistically, to have anything that, you could you could say that you could have any chance of saying is an upgrade without being really drunk. <laughs> you know, Bickford was the 18th pick of last year's draft, and was it four people in front of him have now been traded? Yeah, it's been very strange. About Naylor Naylor went in the Cashner trade, um, and of course Dan Swanson went in the brilliant Shelby Miller trade, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else in front of him went. Oh oh. Um, Dylan Tate, of course, was traded from the Rangers for Beltron. So, the top you know, of that draft has really been moving. I know. the The interesting thing is, is if Shelby Miller's 2015 was his 2016, and the Diamondbacks were in it, the trade they made to get him in the offseason would probably be what it would cost to get him in at this trade deadline. Yeah. Which is. So, I don't know. The Diamondbacks are ahead of the game in some way? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, doesn't it feel both kind of like the Diamondbacks have entirely reset the value of prospects? Because, like, three years ago, people were holding on to prospects like, you know, giant sacks of gold. And then the Diamondbacks just started throwing them around like, 
can be, and now all of a sudden they're all moving everywhere. Well, I think that's an interesting, yeah, I mean, there's certainly something to that, uh, because if you think about it, they probably should be closer to that than hoarding them, right? Because these are all unproven on the major league level talent. We're all just guessing. And, and and they know more than we do, but really, it's still a guessing game for them. It's Their educated guesses are highly educated, but, you know, I, I would say you always take the, the sure thing over the uncertain thing if you're trying to win in a short span of time. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that leads us into our, our last deal. The Giants were very busy, if you didn't notice, and if you're relying on us for news... Well, um, I don't know what to tell you. So, yeah, <laughs> surprise. The uh, Matt, Matt Duffy is no longer on the team. He was traded to Tampa Bay, who, if you didn't know, are now called the Rays. They got rid of the Devil Rays several years ago. And now Matt Duffy is one of them, along with uh, Wayne Enterprises, R&D maven Lucius Fox, uh, and Michael Santos, who I don't know anything about. And uh, but the Giants get in return Matt Moore, a left-handed pitcher who is basically slowly coming back from Tommy John surgery, but essentially is supposed to have, if you've ever seen him pitch, has electric stuff. But don't look at his numbers right now because you'll swear you're looking at Jeff Samarja's. Anyway, <laughs> they did sort uh, of double down on the Samarja strategy. <laughs> in fact, the whole the whole 2016 is the high risk, high reward strategy on the pitching staff. All yeah, these guys yeah. are coming off of bad years or injury or good stuff who should be better. Yeah, you know, Zeros, Zeros kind of, you know, put salve on the wound a little bit of losing, you know, what the Giants paid in prospect price by saying that he's just, more is starting to trend very positively in a really good direction. Um, and just if you watch any of his recent starts, um, it, he's got stuff. The pitches don't. Cut! Don't just fall into the middle of the plate. Um, they they go away from the plate. They trick hitters. It's it's a weird thing to see um, from pitchers. But uh, one last thing before I, I give it over to you, Roger and Doug, is that the last home run that Matt Duffy hit as a San Francisco Giant was against Matt Moore when the Giants <laughs> played in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Shades of uh, Duval and Leak. Oh right, that's right. That's right. That's oh right. man. Um, so what is just, what is Tampa Bay going to do with Duffy exactly? I want. They're going to play shortstop. Shortstop. So Brad Miller. It's funny because this is the third shortstop they've now acquired in the last what two years. Well, Brad Miller was always like a, I guess, shortstop, right? <laughs> and there was the other guy from Seattle that they got in the price deal. Um, his name is escaping me at the moment. Well, I you know the main thing I'm thinking about is poor Matt Duffy. He's going to get Zika now, <laughs> and he's in Florida, which is having genuine outbreak of it. Um, but Lucius Fox, Michael Santos, what can you tell us? Uh, you know, at their the Lucius Fox's progress right now. Uh, so, Lucius Fox is a 19 year old who they signed for six million dollars, which I believe is the largest international signing bonus ever given to a non-Cuban. Um, he has a, had an interesting history because he went to high school in America but realized before his senior year that if he was not in the American draft, he could make a lot more money because he was born in the Bahamas. So he went back home and petitioned MLB, and they said, yes, you're right, you're an international guy, which made him a good amount of money. 
he was probably going to be a second round pick or a late first round pick. Um, the, the cost of all that was that he missed his senior year in high school. Um, he missed about two years, really, of quality competition. So the Giants threw him into full season ball this year um, with no pro experience and, and not a lot of amateur experience behind him. And he has been um, kind of keeping his head above water, I guess is what you could probably say. He's hitting around 210. Uh, making a lot of errors, but showing tremendous athleticism in the field. You hear a lot of people go see him and are very impressed and think that he you know, has a swing that's going to work eventually, but he's not very strong right now. He's the, he's the opposite of almost everybody else in the Giants system in that he is extremely athletic, very toolsy, and doesn't have much game at the moment. So he's a long-term project who may be a very good player uh, at some point in time. Michael Santos um, is a kid who is very tall. They took the slow, slow development path with him in the Dominican to put some meat on him because he was tall and skinny. He showed up in the Arizona League, the rookie league, uh, two years ago and really impressed people with a very loose arm and a great fastball and, and good command. His last two years have been mostly injury-plagued. Last year, he didn't pitch much at all. This year he was doing extremely well in the, in the South Atlantic League uh, until he got hit with a comebacker in June, and he hasn't pitched since then. Uh, he's a guy with a, with a lot of upside and, and probably a good future, but he is a kind of a service time issue because he's already going to be Rule 5 protection, I think, this winter, and he is probably more than a three-option year development time away from the majors which makes him the kind of guy you t often toss in in trades. Um, but definitely somebody with a good future and, and certainly a good get for Tampa. Um, I think a lot of these guys, the Giants have a lot of kind of depth pitchers without a lot of elite pitchers. So they have a lot of these guys who kind of look like back-end starters who can maybe be number three if things work out right. And I think they used a little of that, that capital in these trades today but they've got more of it <laughs> because they still have BD, they still have Andrew Suarez, they still have Sam Coonrod. So they had a bunch of guys who were kind of similar, and they traded several of them. Yeah, I mean, to me, well, we, we didn't grade the last trade, but we can grade them together. To me, I mean, this just seems like Matt D losing Matt Duffy is tough from the fan perspective. You know, anytime you lose a guy who, you know, basically helps make the team the 2015 team be competitive and is like a good fun energy guy off the bench in 2014 is just comes out of nowhere and is homegrown it's tough and and duffy's a great defender and uh and all that yeah, but absolutely but it's, this is it's an emotional blow yeah yeah it's an and emotional blow gonna be very sad about losing that duffy because yeah uh but uh, to me this is like if this was the only trade that had happened today I would have been like, okay, that's the cost of doing business. This doesn't necessarily strike me as... I, I mean, it still slants a little bit towards Tampa Bay, maybe, but maybe only for this year, because I feel like Matt Moore is, you know, the Giants have him for three years for slightly more than they have Matt Cain for the next year and a half, or, you know, two years, if, although I'm just counting it as a buyout uh, at this point. Uh, so... You know, to me, it's just like it's a good risk. And Matt Duffy, uh, again, this is where the Nunez trade is like, okay, well, you 
you've girded yourself by having Nunez now, and I guess uh, we can ask. I guess we can explore this a little bit uh, later because I've never seen him play. Like not even when he's been on TV, but like I, Christian Arroyo being the third baseman in the, of the future. I don't feel like it's trending in that direction, but I'm sure the Giants are maybe kind of hoping that's what happens. But in any case, what would you guys give these these two trades for today or for yesterday? Because remember, this is the Tuesday podcast. Uh, <laughs> like, what you know? Where do you stand with with uh, with it? Or maybe just how did the Giants do on the trade deadline day? Maybe that's fair, more fair. Um, I mean, just for the whole day, I'd probably, I'd yeah, I'd go with probably a B plus. Like, I think they addressed their needs, and you know if. They, you know, they they got Nunez, which means they have a third baseman, so they could trade Duffy, and they used him to get a a player who can be very good in Matt Moore. Um, you know, they went out and they paid a lot for uh, for for Will Smith, and as much as we all appreciate the ability to make jokes about the actor Will Smith. Uh, and, and just so you know, everyone, there's actually an actor out there who has the same name as a Giants player. Um, Will Smith, he's been in a, a few movies. I don't know. Maybe some indie <laughs> things. It's can't nothing I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, there was one where he like slept how, in a park how would station. You rate, so, I, how would I rate what? The value of, of, of losing Lucius Fox and picking up Will Smith in the uh, <laughs> pop culture trade-off. You trade a fictional character for a real person. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in the it's an name upgrade. Game. I yeah. think it's an upgrade because Lucius Fox jokes are pretty limited, and Will yeah. Smith jokes—you know—he could make any movie next, and yeah. there could be a joke about that. And you just can't put a price on that. That's right. That's right. I, um, I mean, he, yeah. If he—he's—he joined the, as you said, Doug. He joined the Suicide Squad. <laughs> did Will Smith? <laughs> Uh, just just as they assembled the Suicide Squad, it was not by choice. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so I'd, I'd give them a B plus. I think the Giants, they got, you know, they hit their targets. They hit a target that we didn't know they had, which allowed them to hit another one. Um, and they, they paid a lot for it. So I'm going to say B plus, and I'm also going to say rating things is stupid, and no one should ever do it. It's really stupid and hard, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, no one will remember it. Uh, no one will remember. Um, I, I totally agree. I, I would give them a B plus. There's no slam dunks here, and there's nothing that's over the top wonderful. But they had needs. They needed to make some moves. The market cost what the market cost. They addressed their needs for this year, and they helped themselves for next year. And they're they're set up where I think about a quarter of their roster is free agents after this year, and they're all. The small parts, but you still got to replace those small parts. So they got controllable guys that are going to address needs this year and should help them next year. And you know they got a cheaper left-handed Jeff Samarja, so that that can't That's be right. can it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, more it, folks, if you're really interested before he starts, which it's unclear when he's going to start this week, but. If you go and look at his, like, Brooks Baseball or whatever, I mean, it's a left-handed pitcher who throws 94 miles an hour, sits 94, but he can get it up to 95, 96, 97 if he needs to, and he's got a nice repertoire, and I think, you know, pitching in the AL East is whatever, and you might say it's more difficult than probably is, 
But, you know, Jeff Samarja shows that that doesn't matter, pitching the American <laughs> League or the National League. He'll find a way. Uh, but, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. You know, just to, essentially the Giants have added for, you know, Samarja's a power pitcher, so is Matt Moore. And I tend to think that that's a net positive. Um, I, I don't know. I'll say B. I'll say a B for, for the day. Yeah. Uh, because it's now just brings me to the next question. Uh Roger, the last question, and that is no Mejia, Susak, Bickford, Duffy, Fox, Santos. Uh, that's what the Giants have parted with system-wise. Uh, probably not a tremendous loss, but at the same time, as you said, there's a lot of duplication with some of the with some of the pitchers they have. But sort of uh, between the Giants maybe banking on Arroyo um, and now going into next year and the year beyond what's the pitching going to look like how do you feel about you know now you're looking at the system do you feel like it's been gutted or do you feel like it's a little bit shakier than it was or do you feel like it's fine it, it's not mar- it's not remarkably different um well so just to backtrack slightly going back to the question really earlier how good do I think Adalberto Mejia is going to be this year or next year one answer that I have for that is not as good as Matt Moore, probably. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's a value. That's, that's, that's a definite upgrade, the way all these trades work together. Uh, but in answer to that question, so it took a depth hit without, without any doubt. They, they lost depth in these three moves. But I think you would have to say they didn't move any of their top three prospects because it's I personally would probably rate Arroyo, Shaw, and Beattie as the top three. Um, and I wonder, I said this to somebody uh, kind of offline today, I wonder if they were given a choice of Arroyo or Duffy, or they just, because Tampa Bay really wanted Duffy, they said, can we, are we covered there with Nunez and Arroyo, and, and decided the answer was yes. Um, I think Arroyo and Shaw are both really good pieces. BD is a pretty good piece. And then there are a few other guys after that that are are not far away and, and in that same kind of decent-ish venue. Like Suarez and Coonrod are probably both going to be major league arms of some sort. And they have still some power arms. So as a whole, what they had before was kind of not elite guys but decent depth in that 50 to 200 tier and now they're similar with a little less depth although they had a pretty good draft this year and some of those guys are likely to move fast next year the way Duggar and Shaw Henry Osa those guys have this year I suspect you'll see Heath Quinn move up pretty fast next year for one thing and, and Brian Reynolds probably so there's some similarities it's, it's, it's got some good depth not great depth and not high elite talent who would you say is the one guy that the Giants are going to miss the most out of all the guys they traded today? Huh, that's that's a tough one. Um, Roger, is it still going to be Adam Duvall? <laughs> <laughs> My sense is to say Fox, but that's a long burn. So he is the safe choice. Fox is probably the boom or bust choice, and Bickford is just the absolute weird choice um, I think I would go with Fox the guy who I would the guy who I kind of wish 
didn't go but did is probably him, even though Bickford and Mejia are both more likely to be in the majors in the next three years, and probably more likely overall. You think Bickford in the next three years? Okay. Well, more likely than Fox, anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, All right. Um, I have one last little question. What is it about Christian Arroyo that I can look at uh, and ignore the numbers? <laughs> right um, are you not liking the numbers? <laughs> well, Doug pointed out while we were waiting to see if you were going to come back to Earth, uh, <laughs> that you uh, or is that you know Arroyo is younger at this point than Duffy was, and this is his first time in Double A, and it's whatever. But I'm just. Look again, ignoring the numbers. I, I I'm not a computer. Um, what am I? What am yeah. I missing? Are you hearing me? Yeah, I can hear you. So, Arroyo spent a good amount of this year as a 20 year old in Double A. I think he was the second youngest hitter in Double A um, in the Eastern League, and you know he's been he's been learning lessons. He had a really bad June, but he's a naturally aggressive guy who can barrel up a fastball. Do you want to know what you like about him? That's really it. He can hit a fastball, um, and the numbers have been coming. The numbers have been good all year. He's not a big power guy, and he never will be a big power guy. But he's been leading the league in doubles most of the year. Um, he has been abused by left-handers who throw junk. Was one observation I had for him because uh, he's naturally aggressive and will go after stuff early in the that he shouldn't be swinging at. So he's learning how to hit. He's learning how to deal with advanced pitchers, but. He can bear off a ball. He's got bat-to-ball skills, and that's something to like about him. So potentially in 2020, when it's the Giants versus the Twins in the World Series, Mejia would have no problem against Arroyo. <laughs> potentially, yes. By, the, by 2020, Arroyo will have learned how to sit on a changeup from the left-hander. I, I, I do feel that's true. <laughs> uh, well, Roger, uh, it's a pleasure as always. Um uh, it's hard to believe that you think that you you are going to have a tough time with this. You, you sound very polished. I've done like 36 of these, and I sound like I'm 10 years old talking to an adult for the first time. Every time, every week. But thank you for joining us, and uh, a pleasure as always. And uh, they can find you on Twitter and the minor lines on McCovey Chronicles. They can find me on Twitter at uh, Rod61, and every day at McCovey Chronicles on the minor lines. Thanks again, Roger. Have Thanks a, a lot, night. guys. Bye. Thanks. All right, bye. Okay, now that he's gone, we can talk about how he's wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So, you know, a, a big day, I think, getting for, from the Giants' you know, standpoint, they probably didn't get their, their number ones in every case. But like we said, they addressed core needs, and they paid a lot based on what the market gave. But I, I think just, you know, now that the sun's setting and the shock of it all is, is subsiding – I feel like for me, the only thing that I really was kind of still stunned by was Mejia, only because I really thought that they were going to use him or he's a guy that they're going to need. But, you know, Roger's been done a good job of distancing, you know, lowering my expectations that this is probably a little bit more Eric Surkamp than Kirk Reeder or something. So that's that being said, uh, um, the trade deadline, the <laughs> trade deadline 2016. <laughs> Uh, all because the Giants are still somehow in first place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, what they, when you looked at the reasons the Giants wouldn't succeed this year, 
what you said was, well, they only have two good starters, and their bullpen's kind of a disaster. So they went out, and they did their best to fix that. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, oddly enough, the past, since the All-Star break, I think we can safely say that it's all been bad. But we can certainly say that now that the offense has scuffled quite a bit, that that is not helping things. That The fact that, you know, offenses are always going to go through this these tough times. Um, this is the part of the podcast, folks. Stick with it. It'll be brief. <laughs> Where we recount what the Giants did this past week. There was a litany of transactions in the past week. and just run them down real quick. Um, <laughs> Joe Panic's back. Hunter Pence is back. Ruben Tata designated for assignment. Ari Adrianza has begun his rehab assignment. Ramiro um, Pena and Grant Green both designated for assignment. Gone. Corey Guerin, rehab assignment. He's back. Jarrett Parker, back in Sacramento. Um, Matt Matt Reynolds, called up. And then Matt Reynolds. <laughs> best laid, Matt Reynolds thought he was in the Catbird seat. He's like, all right, I'm the new lefty guy. <laughs> then... All of a sudden, he and men in black. <laughs> Just <laughs> Will Smith appears. Um, so a lot happening on the Giants roster. A lot of, one could argue, rearranging of deck chairs. But essentially, the Giants are clearing out. They're cutting loose the emergency depth that they've had to bring in recently because of all the injuries and, in some cases, ineffectiveness. But mainly, injuries. These are all the injury guys. Um, so... Now that they've kind of settled in with Nunez and they've got, uh, they've now got Will Smith and they've got Matt Moore, uh, what it creates now is a different permutation of the roster crunch, which is now it's going to happen in the rotation because you now have a bona fide starter and you have two, but really three really bad starters. Um, <laughs> Uh, so then now the question is, what, Doug, it's up to you. What happens? Well, you know, uh, the Giants haven't won a game, I don't think, in the second half when Bumgarner started. So I think you take him out. You've seen what he can do in relief. Yeah. And uh, Giants need that relief ace, so I think the choice is pretty clear. It's kind of bold thinking, I think, that helps get teams to the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, trade your third baseman for a starting pitcher. Why not? Uh, the Giants went two and five. They won three I, and four. What? Yeah, they they won one against the Reds and two against the Nationals. They went three and four. Oh my God! <laughs> I missed a whole win. I missed a whole win, everybody. Um, I am out of it. Uh, but the Giants did better than I projected. <laughs> but they still lost the series to the Reds, which is pretty uh, indefensible. And then I feel like Dusty Baker, for some reason, teaching Trey Turner a lesson by by him doing so well and then not starting him, <laughs> allowing the Giants to win a game, uh, and the Giants beating uh, Yusmero Petit to get that win uh, was, you know, that was an interesting stretch of managing going on. There was a lot of weirdness in that national series because of that, but uh, the Giants didn't look, they won three games, which is great, and they are on, as Grant put it, the uh, longest winning streak of the second half, but uh, they haven't really looked fantastic. Everyone has looked bad. Brandon Crawford's hurt now, but he's looked bad. Buster Posey's looked bad. 
Brandon Belt has actually looked better the last few days, but for some reason that didn't get him back into the third spot. Um, Bruce Bochy decided that Connor Gillespie in the third spot was a good idea, which I don't know. Uh, so that's what I want to talk about, Doug, unless you have another pressing topic. Brandon Belt doesn't even get the benefit of the doubt. He still hasn't earned the veteran status. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think that's it. I think that he, you know, they moved him down because he was struggling with his swing. And then he hit a little bit better, so they want to leave it there a little bit. And then uh, so he can do, so he can sort of recover and fully come back before they put him back. You know, they could put him back in the third spot, or they could even the sixth spot. The lineup's deep enough that it's fine. Uh, it's not, I don't think, that big of a deal. I, it's not, I don't think, a sign that they hate him or anything. They um, hate him. They hate him. They hate him. They hate him? Oh. Well, I'm just I'm just screaming angrily. That's I, I'm just being I'm being irrational. And uh, uh, Connor Gillespie going over five with two strikeouts when he hit third probably makes it a little bit easier decision to hit, to hit one of their good players, you know, be it Panic or Pence or even Belt eventually in that spot. I think it's not a huge deal. Uh, I think Panic, hopefully, you know, between he, he and Pence. It's not we're waiting a couple weeks for both of them to get going. Uh, Pence had uh, two hits the other day. He had a, he looked good. He looked fine. Um, and so you'd like to think that that continues with that hamstring injury, though. Who, who the heck knows what's going to happen with Pence, but hopefully him being healthy and back works. Panic, I think, will probably come back. But, you know, I feel like with all of Panic's injuries, we don't necessarily – I think it's okay – to not fear, I, I don't. I'm not. I don't like pushing fear, even though I just did with Brandon Belt and the Giants. Um, but we, maybe we don't know exactly who Joe Panic is quite yet. No, it's possible we don't. Like he could well not be an All Star. Like not in terms of true talent going forward. Um, but it seems like he's probably a good player. Yeah. Uh, I would expect him to hit closer to. You know, I'd ex- I'd expect it's much more likely he's going to hit 280 over the rest of the year than 250 if he's healthy. But it's not necessarily going to be 300. It's not necessarily going to be 320 or whatever. Um, And we do have to accept that maybe he's just a pretty good player and not sort of a team-defining talent or any any sort of perpetual all-star. Nunez is going to lead off now, uh, which is interesting because Denard Spann was signed explicitly for that purpose. (laughs) Uh, but Denard Span has not been a good baseball player. So he is certainly, you know what? Uh, he has not been a good baseball player. I, I, I statistically, his OPS is below 700. He he hasn't even been that great of a leadoff hitter. You know, Angel Pagan, uh, when he's been hurt and still in the lineup, and when he's been healthy and in the lineup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel I'm wrong here. He's been the same player. Like, in terms of when he works the count, the kind of at-bats he gives, then he'll have those moments where he just, you know, swings at the first pitch, whatever. But, you know, the the beauty of Angel Pagan, and I have always been a fan of him, uh, I just don't like when they play him injured, put, try to play him <laughs> through his injuries, is that he has been the same guy. And, and you can criticize what that guy is, but there is a lot of value in that consistency. Denard Spann, what's been the red flag is like, is he really back and the guy two years ago or the second half of last year? And I think 
it's always kind of a question of, well, probably not. A hip injury is not anything to sneeze at. Um, but who knows? I, I think there's talent there. And, I, you know, this is where Bruce Bochy's going to earn his paycheck, paycheck, right, is managing the clubhouse now that there's some expectations shifting around. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to know what's going to happen with Bernard's fan because we don't know, you know, we don't know how much of this is the injury and how much of this is aging. Um, we don't know if he's going to come back stronger next year. And we don't know if, but, you know, for I, I would say that right now it looks like that signing has now worked out. Um, it's worked out in that it's managed to uh, keep Angel Pagan from playing center field for a while, which is always a good thing. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, if, if that's the main virtue of Denard's fan, then he's probably not doing too well. You know, and Angel Pagan, for all his consistency, you know, we're talking about a 747 OPS and his on-base percentage is not even at 330. You know, it's it's whatever. It's, he's not hitting home runs or whatever it is. He's not stealing a lot of bases. He's just been there and been fine. But now, because Pence is back and, uh, you know, you've got Pagan there and you're going to still probably play uh, Span a lot, he's just not going to be leading off. Now it seems like Mac Williamson's time to shine that, you know, he's going to have to go into sleep mode again, um, potentially. Um, maybe not for the next week or so. Maybe they'll figure out a way to, like, maybe just, hey, Span, why don't, hey, Spanny, why don't you rest? <laughs> uh, rest it a little bit. But I, I think that's an interesting roster juggling or lineup juggling that we're going to see. But I think we all kind of know how that's going to trend. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see Mac Williamson get sent down. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that probably the best Giants lineup has Williamson in left, Pence in right, and then someone in center. Uh, yeah. But it's also kind of a casualty of the people who can be sent down without losing inventory. The Giants hate losing inventory. They hate losing players. Um, I'm kind of annoyed at myself. I just called players inventory, but that's the <laughs> best way of putting it. Uh <laughs> And so it's probably one of the many roster moves that's coming up because they have two guys. They have uh, they obviously have Moore and Smith to add to the roster. They also have uh, Ari Adrianza, whose his rehab time is is going to end at some point fairly soon, and he's got to come back too. And unless they reduce the bullpen pretty hard, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Which adding one reliever, I don't think makes that a reality. And you know, kudos to George Contos for surviving at least this far into the season. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and you know, another problem with Mac Williamson going down is you know the Giants pinch hitting off the bench is it stays Madison Bumgarner and George and uh, and uh, Trevor Brown as the right-handed hitters. That's yeah. Ridiculous. Um, even if you get Adrianza back, that's not what you're. No. I, you know what? I retract that statement immediately. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was some way to edit that out. Uh, so that's you know that's going to be very tricky because I feel like Gillespie is going to be the backup third baseman and probably stick on the roster. Um, maybe. Um, so and then again the rotation. Uh, who goes to the bullpen? Is it Matt Cain? Is it Jake Peavy? Um, I don't know if I want to hazard a guess. You know, by the time you're probably listening to this, the Giants 
well, probably already made an announcement. It's probably already sorted itself out. But uh, let's be reckless or just dumb sports writers <laughs> and take a guess. I mean, to me, it makes the most sense that Jake Peavy is not in the rotation. But I don't know how much more sense. But then the other hand, it, on the other hand, I can see the Giants' logic being... I'm just going to try to guess the Giants' logic. It's going to be Matt Cain. Because he's been actually worse for most of his starts. Jake Peavy has been able to mix in good stretches. Jake Peavy is probably so much the veteran that Bruce Bochy would not be able to manage that. And uh, and I think Matt Cain is probably someone he feels he could approach and get something better uh, and get like a more cooperative response. So I'm going to go with Matt Cain, even though he had a no-hitter through his five innings in his last start. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, so I, I saw a lot of people talking about this on Twitter yesterday, and uh, what they were saying was probably PV because Kane's injury makes it harder for him to warm up. PV could have some kind of injury, and Kane's going to be around next year, and they don't want to take him out of the rotation and mess up his arm too badly before uh, next year when he's going to be in the rotation again. So, well, I'm not even factoring in Phantom DL stuff. If that happens, then yeah, then we don't even have an issue here. Yeah, um, no, I, Phantom DL is the most giant solution to this problem. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely Team Phantom DL. <laughs> <laughs> but so, real quick, let's just kind of analyze this Giants bullpen. Just like analyze, let's just do a quick overview. You know, Hunter Strickland's probably that sixth, seventh inning guy, maybe if you need a tough out kind of earlier in the game still. Uh, wait, have you done a bullpen trust ranking, uh, a, a new one? I did for, one, since, I mean, I did one not, before not the Not too tra- long ago. Yeah. yeah, before the trades. Uh, I, you know, Derek Law, I'm, I'm happy to see he keeps kind of moving up the, the, the scale. And so I, I would say that between, it's got to be Casilla, Law, Romo, and uh, and Will Smith just by default. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, that you've seen Bochi kind of stretch Contos out a little bit lately, so I think that would pave the way for Suarez getting sent back down. Well, I thought it was for a Kant case. <sighs> a, a George case? <laughs> a Shotos. <sighs> I, I wasn't sure if my first side came through, so I, I did it louder. They all came through very clearly. I- uh, how about Santiago Casilla basically doing the relievers version of please clap for <laughs> him wanting to remain the closer publicly, like making a statement that he wants to remain the closer. Uh, I've, as far as I know, no Giants pitcher has ever done that in my lifetime. <laughs> I think that Bochi should just spend the rest of the year, even if he's not really thinking it, Get making non-committal statements to the press about Casilla staying closer, just to- <laughs> just to, just to cajole him into making statements like that. <laughs> just well, you know, we're uh, you know, Sony's done a good job for us. But we're going to take it game by game. So basically, make Casilla a jilted, anxious lover the it, entire the rest of the season. What needs. <laughs> That's how he's going to get Casilla going, he yeah. feels. <laughs> All right, so uh, who do you have, or what do you have as our best game, as the best game of the week? Uh, I'm going to say the best game of the week was the most recent game. Or no, yeah, I'm going to say it was the most recent game. Kane threw five no-hit innings, and then magic happened. 
Bumgarner pinch hit, doubled. Samarja pinch ran, scored. It it was beautiful. I loved it. That uh, that is better than anything Joe Madden would ever think of. Ever. <laughs> ever think of. Uh, and that was the first pinch hit, extra base hit by a pitcher since 1990, I think. <laughs> um, so, Madison Bumgarner, I... To, uh, yesterday was his birthday, if you didn't know, and uh, I retweeted an article I wrote, you know, the review of him, and I think there's got to be a me- an amendment to that because he's added on to his legend uh, offensively, which is a little strange, but he's pitched great this year, too. Uh, it's kind of a shame that since his, like, one of the best games ever, he has not quite <laughs> come close to, I mean, it's hard to equal that, but it's not like he's, like, come back to being an ace. Um, and certainly with Bumgarner and Cueto, I'm very interested to see what happens in August um, to see how those guys hold up, and hopefully the bullpen can solidify. But in any case, I'm rambling on and on. I'm going to say that I'm going to disagree with that was the best game. Uh, although it was nice to see Derek Law get a win and, and pitch well, and the Giants um, the Giants do well against the Nationals and score five runs because that <laughs> seemed like an impossibility heading into that game. So... Uh, yeah, and uh, worst game of the week, uh, triple play. Triple yeah, play. <laughs> this is uh, this. I like the way that we broke. We decided to analyze the the week because we run into the big issues this way. The triple play was. <laughs> I feel like that could be the Spielberg's walk off grand slam if the season goes south. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny about the Spielberg's grand slam is that a week later, um, the Rockies. Like the next weekend, I think the Rockies came to San Francisco and the Giants swept them. And they were tied for the wild card. And I believe Edgar Renteria had a dramatic <laughs> walk-off home run in that, or grand slam at the end of the season. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but it was a, it was a weird emotional punch because the Giants obviously didn't make it to the playoffs that year. So whatever you want to call it, but that it was the first time in history that a three-three-five triple play had ever been. <laughs> Pulled and it was Brandon Crawford breaking his bat, and we might have a problem at third base with Roberto Kelly, because you could say that Denard Span and I, I, I kind of don't want to say that Denard Span and Angel Pagan uh, are bad at paying attention to a baseball game. Uh, it seems like we're kind of in that gray area where the coaches are supposed to kind of pick up some of the slack too, so. I don't know. It's you know because I'm referencing Angel Pagan missing the fact that a ball went to the backstop and he didn't move from third <laughs> base. So I think we've all ha- we would prefer Tim Flannery be on the team without these instances being brought up as evidence. <laughs> but it's certainly something to think about. Uh, maybe I, I don't think we're in Sonny Jackson territory, but <laughs> it's it doesn't feel quite right when these things happen and you you. You've got to wonder how that, how some of these things are popping up, and you could say because the team's playing badly, but when the players are playing badly, that doesn't always mean that the coaches aren't are doing the same as they've always done. They could be falling asleep too. So, somebody consider that's definitely the worst game of the week. That was that was awful. <laughs> I, I was I was out in public, but it was on, and I was watching it, and I I dropped my water. <laughs> I was that stunned by it. Uh, so, who do you have as the player of the week? I'm going to say Matt Kane, and here's why. He got two wins. He hit a homer. That's it. 
Those are great reasons. <laughs> and what a home run, too. It was a bent arm swing on it, and he looked like he just jacked that ball out out left field. That was a no-doubt. It was a no-doubt. He really it crushed it. It amazing. was awesome. Uh, and they needed all those runs to win <laughs> that game. Because <laughs> Matt Cain giveth and Matt Cain giveth right back. Uh, I'm going to say Matt Duffy is my player of the week. Aww. <laughs> because I'm going to miss him, and I'm not going to have another opportunity to say that. And um, Matt Duffy is sort of that baseball player that gives... He's that scrappy baseball player that gives everyone hope when they watch baseball or they read baseball stories. And he... He's a lot of fun. And on top of that, he was just starting his rehab assignment, and I believe Bobby Evans himself perf- personally told him, we are looking to keep you. And then, in true, I don't know, being an adult and living in this world fashion, <laughs> the Rays said, we're going to make you break your one rule, Giants, if you want to upgrade. And uh, and that was the cost of doing business. And I, I don't fault the Giants. I don't blame them. I don't think they did anything wrong. I think... You know, you take things as they come, right, Doug? It's like, at that moment, that was exactly their plan. And then their plan dramatically changed because they needed an upgrade, and that was the only way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw Matt Duffy play Sunday night in Sacramento. Um, I saw him hit a double down the line. And I was like, wow, what if that swing comes back? And it never will. (laughs) At least not in San Francisco. Uh, It might be in Tampa. That's right. That's right. Um, so, do we have any Twitter questions this week? We do. We have a question from... So, I'm going to skip all the why do the Giants hate their fans, all that. <laughs> uh, one from Steve Svensson at Svensson19. Considering the trades that Corey Guerin will get back soon, should we assume Suarez option Glass being Contos or DFA'd? Um, yeah, Corey Guerin. We forgot about him. <laughs> is he a... Is he a well, I mean, I guess they'd have to DFA him too if he ended his assignment. Yeah. Well, I think now we're in we're in waiver territory, so waiver trade territory. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, um, the I guess if, if they can fake DL one of the pitchers, that would take care of it because they could send down Suarez, DFA Reynolds, send down uh, Mac, and then they'd have their eight man bullpen. Yeah, I think Reynolds and Contos and. Maybe Lopez are guys to look for in August as uh, to think about as potentially not being on the team going forward. Yeah, um, I feel like I would say Contest you know, is going to be around. Like everyone's getting rid of him, but his his overall numbers have been fine this year. He's given up some some runs when we wish he hadn't, which describes literally the entire bullpen. So, but as bullpen, yeah, but as bullpen. <laughs> Uh, next question. Are we done with that one? Yep. Next question comes from Kevbot at not really Calvin. There's a second half of the question, which is September when we see Susak again, which no. <laughs> uh, but the first half is what became of the Giants signing Chris Denorfia to a minor league deal a few months ago? Well, I can tell you that. He's playing baseball right. in Sacramento. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's teammates with Gorky's Hernandez. So... <laughs> Uh, Gorky Sunavis, remember when we thought he might be a thing? I do remember that. Yeah, he, he's been good in AAA. Uh, he's a AAA all-star. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, Dana Artis at Zuluki. What three trades would you make, one for one, for players to star in your superhero reboot TV pilot? 
Well, I don't know what that's in reference to. Oh, is this something I've done before? <laughs> Three trades would you make, one for one, for players to star in your superhero reboot TV pilot? I don't re- remember ever making the Giants superheroes. I don't know what... Uh, did we do that? I don't remember. Uh, no, we did. It was one of the first games we did. Oh, right. Uh, okay. All right. What three trades would you make for players? This is like a whole segment of a question. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to save this for later, Zuluki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, I, I wanted to try to grab an old one real quick as our last one from before the trade deck. <laughs> just to try to answer it earnestly now. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is just a fun one real quick from at Scout6. On a scale of one to trade for Eduardo Nunez, how worried should we be about Matt Duffy? So, let me answer it as though I was answering it on the day. I would say I'd be more worried about Joe Panic. <laughs> That's how I would have answered that question. I was like, I'm not worried about either of them. It's so ungiant to trade as young established major leaguers. <laughs> Um, okay, and then the last one we'll go with. Um, uh, well, first of all, uh, folks, or last thing before I get to this last question, folks, I want to apologize for some seeming McCovey Croncast All Star Croncast curse <laughs> that we have placed on the Giants because since that recording, the Giants have been the the butt ass Giants team. We named the all-time butt-ass giants, but we're watching them. Emmanuel, <laughs> <laughs> play your heart out. That's right. They have all. They have been an Emmanuel Burai, a bunch of Burai, <laughs> an Emmanuel of Burai. There we go. Uh, and this is the last question from at Todayologists. Brandon asks, "Why did this happen?" <laughs> and this is about Matt Duffy. Yeah, folks. Folks, this happens as baseball. You should not get attached to players too much, unless you know they're going to be there for a long time. But even then, they'll break your heart because they get old, they get injured, things happen. Um, I was upset about Mejia because I don't know what the Giants are going to do about the rotation next year. <laughs> and I still kind of don't. Um, but beyond that, this is what happens. And the Giants are a rare team that they were able to have the all homegrown infield but if if it's if the choice is between Joe Panic and Matt Duffy and a team actually wants Matt Duffy you trade Matt Duffy you 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 hope and then you kind of cross your fingers that 2015 was his peak as sad as that is but even if you think about trades where the Giants have been burned I mean that Zach Wheeler for Beltran trade was five years ago it was five years ago. The Giants have won two World Series since then. It di- it didn't work out in the short term, but it was fine. Uh, losing Matt Duffy, it sucks, but it will be fine. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, I agree. I hope that's true. Because I'm not, I'm not convinced it's true, but I hope it is. Well, I'm not sure why it wouldn't be. Well, because, you know, if Matt Moore is bad... Like, I'm not worried about how, how Matt Duffy does. I'm worried about how Matt Moore does. Um, oh, Matt Moore might be bad, folks. We, yeah. We should probably lock in for that. So that's... Um, yeah. <laughs> he could he could 
he could have to have Tommy John surgery again. It's it's a possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if it's the cost of of doing of trying, basically, and it's what you want your team to be in a position to pay that. It sucks. Uh, you don't enjoy it in the moment, but in the end, hopefully, it'll it'll make the team better. You know, we also remember the people who freaked out that the Giants traded John Bowker and Joe Martinez for Javier Lopez. So, right. <laughs> Right. But again, it was John Bowker. The Giants need power. They need offense. Where are they going to get it from? Because they're not going to bring up Buster Posey. What? Or play him every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Matt Moore, though, is 27 years old. The Giants have him under control for three years for, in baseball terms, nothing. You know, and at 27 years old, Jeff Samarja was making a case of being a really good major league starter. You'd like to think that the ceiling on Matt Moore is better than the ceiling on Jeff Samarja, even though they profile somewhat similarly. I don't know what a left-handed power pitcher, you know, necessarily at AT&T Park, how he's going to be hurt or helped or anything like that. I, I can't. I'm trying to think about the NL West. You've got Carlos Gonzalez. Um, well, the Dodgers got, are very left-handed. I think is the problem, the, especially yeah. with Reddick coming in and, and yeah. Adrian Gonzalez, and they have. Uh, if Corey Seager, Corey Seager, if yeah. Seager ever comes yeah. back, um, so that helps, right? I mean, that's that's helpful, and 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 yeah. I mean, if if Matt Moore is, it, how about this? Let's be fair. If Matt Moore is the Jeff Samarja we hoped for <laughs> before the season started, which was like capable three number four guy, I think we'd all take that. I think, uh, yeah, I think if he's a number three guy, then that would be fine. And that's and I and it sucks that that's what you have to give up to get what would be a number three guy. But let's let's also not forget that the Giants love like what a guy once was. <laughs> and three years ago, Matt Matt Moore was the guy. This contract was supposed to revolutionize the injury uh, the industry. They they signed him to this extension and bought out his arbitration years when he had like you know just figured out how to get to the dugout. <laughs> you know and and and. And now, you know, his stock is low. Matt Duffy's stock is, is kind of low. And so for both teams, in a way, it's kind of a sell low-ish. Because Matt Duffy's defense has been great and, you know, has been very solid. And his versatility on the infield is definitely also a bonus. Uh, and he's got a little bit of speed. Um, so it's kind of a sell lowish deal in some ways, except for those other prospects. So I'm sorry Matt Duffy is gone. I liked him a lot, too. But... I'm okay with it. <laughs> Pretty much. So, folks, you have to take what we said at face value and as being uh, some sort of authority because according to Facebook, Facebook, I don't know if you know this, Doug, they, it generates ads uh, for your group pages to like try to get you to buy ads through them. And so they kind of like do a mock-up of what it would look like. And it says that the McCoveyChronicles.com is your best source for quality San Francisco Giants news, rumors, and analysis. Is that really true? No, we do not break news. <laughs> we do not. Nor do we... We only pull from rumors we hear elsewhere. We don't say, you know what I heard. <laughs> we, we, take, we click on MLB trade rumors, go to the Giants section, and then write, write that, except we reference Superman movies twice. <laughs> And, and, again, with the analysis, uh, one thing that we – if you're listening, if you devour this stuff, if you want to get into baseball writing, 
you know, and Grant will tell you this too. Like we don't know anything. Nothing. <laughs> we really don't. We, I, I think like with all the trades that are going on and what people think about prospects, we're doing educated guessing based on the information we know, which is significantly less than what the teams have. And even then, the teams are making educated guesses. They're just better educated. So they do know more than we do. They may, not, they, but they don't know everything because no one does. Because baseball's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's aggravating in that way. But you know, bottom line, we can all be mad. But you know, it's you know the Zach Wheeler and Beltran thing feels like it's crystallizing even more. The Giants didn't get a lot out of it, but did they really? At this point, did they really get hosed on that trade? Really, the, you could say Adam Duvall and Francisco Liriano of the last of this century have been the biggest burns for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'll take it. Their track record's pretty good. Yeah, they didn't trade away Giancarlo Stanton. Now they didn't draft Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> they could have, but that's different. So yeah, I you know I think we just have to be okay with it. And if things don't work out, then we do have to kind of bank on track record. You know, everyone's doing the best they can, but we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe Bobby Evans era is <laughs> where it's just going to be Adam Duvall's and beyond. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, Doug, where, where, where can we find you? You can find me at McCoveyChronicles.com. Good content every day. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Moonwalk McFly. I'm at every six day. And don't forget, McCoveyChronicles.com, not just excellent quality content every day, it's your best source <laughs> for Giants news, rumors, and analysis. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to our guest, Roger Munter, our minor league guru. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for reviewing us on iTunes. That's great. Always great to get those. <laughs> uh, we remain the highest rated podcast in iTunes history. Um, thanks to Matt Reynolds for being a weird footnote in the 2016 season. <laughs> Matt Duffy, thanks for the memories. Thanks for your awesome, enormously, morbidly obese cat, um, Skeeter. And uh, thanks for listening again. Bye. Bye.